Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. 20 plus years ago, when we were planting churches in the city of St. Louis. Uh, from St. Louis, we moved to St. Charles, First Assembly, and assumed that pastor, and then the inner city ministries kept going in the city. And uh, long story short, um, I moved into the district office, Southern Missouri District of the Assemblies of God, which that's everything south of the Missouri River, uh, and asked us to start their church planning initiative, initiative and revitalization of churches. And so I took that position. He had already left, so I, I had nothing to live for anymore. He left me. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he had already come to Sedalia by then, and we're still at St. Charles. And so latter part of 2013, we took that assignment. And just two and a half years ago now, uh, we started, we took Inner City Ministries and morphed it into Reach Missouri Network, which is a church planning initiative to do 20 churches in St. Louis, 20 in Kansas City, and 20 rural. I'm happy to report to you that your funding and your support has allowed us to see uh, nine new churches in the St. Louis area. Uh, one more are going to come online, the Lord willing, in another year. Uh, an Arab-speaking couple came to us from Egypt, and they are now raising their budget. They're U.S. missionaries, and maybe they've already called Pastor Chris, I don't know. But they're going to be planning an Arab-speaking church in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, in probably a year. Now, they're working with the core group now. Uh, St. Louis has the largest Arab-speaking group in the state of Missouri, which I didn't know that until they contacted me. And that's not a huge group. It's about 10,000 uh, Arab-speaking people. Uh, there. So they're going to be launching. We launched, uh, actually the last two years, we've launched three churches in St. Louis, or I'm sorry, 10 total, but three particular. I'm going to talk to you about uh, Reese Church in North, uh, St. Louis is in North County. Uh, they're in a, an area sort of uh, divided up into the hood, the, the uh, homeless people, that type of thing. Uh, man, he's, he's uh, bursting over 100 now. Uh, we got him a building. Uh, we started First Hispanic Church a year ago. They're doing great. Um, God, is, God is good. One in South County, they just moved into their building. Um, and I could go on and on. Kansas City, we launched with Adam Brown, a young man, seven years at a penitentiary. God moved him out of the penitentiary, transformed his life. He planted with us in Kansas City East Side. You might know anything about Kansas City. Kansas City East Side is called the Hood. Uh, he served, uh, as I said, in penitentiary for about seven years. He is reaching those kinds of people. He's probably up to almost, well, about 200 now. Uh, reaching that kind of people in Kansas City is that category. And I don't mean to categorize people, but um, sometimes you attract people that are that where you've been from. And so that's what he's, that's what he's doing. Um, overall picture of Reach Missouri Network, we have 10 planters in our network currently. Three of them will be launching, two in Kansas City next year, the Lord willing. In Midtown, anybody know where Midtown in Kansas City is? You know about that? Two of them will be launching in Midtown, um, um, the Lord willing. The third one will be coming online there before too long, uh, and then the other one in St. Louis. So God is doing some amazing things in the church planting world. Uh, and just for FYI, Chris, I don't know if Chris has shared this with you or not, but Chris was our first uh, test tube baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not going to explain that. I'm just going to let that, I'm going to let that marinate within you for a while. Just think about that for a moment. Get that mental picture. But God, we've been planting churches in St. Louis. And so when we went to St. Charles, first, first thing we were going to do is multiply. And it took us about seven years to, for the church to get to the place where we actually could do that. Uh, and Chris and Angie were our first campus pastors. You ever tell them that? Did they know that? Yeah. And then he got tired out there and came back and became an executive pastor at the church. So, but no, no but that was our test tube. And so we learned a lot. And so we really believe what God has called him to do here is a DNA of that's what's should be in every person's life and church's life is to reproduce yourself. God gave you the ability to physically reproduce yourself. And this is what we sort of leave out of the equation. Once we are born again and we come to Christ, God also puts in a DNA for you to spiritually reproduce yourself. And if you're not reproducing yourself, that doesn't mean you could go, uh, everybody's going to look like you do and act like you do and do what you do. 
But what you have is a reproductive system that God has put in you for you to go to someone else and say, hey, I got this thing happening in my life, and boy, it's a great thing. Uh, you know, it's, it just transformed my life. That's reproductive. And then discipleship, that's what the Bible tells us to do. So that is in the DNA. All we're trying to do is, is fuel that and feed that so that the churches in our country can literally move forward. Why do we plant churches? Well, let me give you one reason. 7,000 were closed last year in America. Across all denominations, across all fellowships, 7,000 churches closed. The unchurched population, according to the latest statistics, is on the rise and has risen dramatically in the last 10 years. There's more people not attending church today in America than in our history. Our history. We opened across America, not Assemblies of God, but across all fellowships, 4,000 churches. So we closed seven, opened four, so there's a difference of 3,000. Closing churches is happening in our country. You may not see it here in Sedalia, uh, then again, you may. But not only are churches closing, we have churches that are unhealthy, that are, that are anemic. Uh, they're infected with the coronavirus in a spiritual sense. There's something happening that is not healthy. And the churches have lost their influence. The Christian experience has lost its, in, uh, its influence. And when we say we want to plant churches, or, and the best way to do it is parent a church, multiply yourself. The best way to do that is obviously from a healthy church who's impacting and influencing their community and reproducing themselves in another community where they can have impact and influence. Right. It, never, it, never, it never is about how many of you have attendance on Sunday morning. It's never, God doesn't measure the church by how many is in a sanctuary or in the worship center on Sunday morning. It could be a hundred, it could be a thousand, it could be three thousand, it could be five thousand. God is not concerned about that. God is concerned about are you influencing and impacting your community? That's what he's concerned about. How many people are we reaching? How many people are being reproduced by my faith and my witness and by my calling what God's asked me to do? And everybody has a calling. Everybody has something they can do. And uh, so when we talk about this church planting thing, it's in my heart, it's in my DNA. And we began as just missionaries 20 plus years ago doing that in the city after pastoring. And we've, been, we've, been, we've only pastored five churches in about 39, 40 years. And God's been good to us. But in the last years of my life, I don't know how long that's going to be. I really don't. Uh, it could be another 10, 15 years, 20, I don't know. But I pray that God uses you and us to reach more people for Jesus than we've ever seen reached before. And the way we do that is by reproduction. You see, the problem lies within you, us. That's the problem. Now, I'm not calling you a problem, but I'm saying we, have, we all have problems. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, we all have problems. Look at your husband and says, you've got a big problem. I think Lisa was hesitant to hold my hand this morning because he thought I was infectious. I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been called in, infectious before because I go some places and people don't show up. I don't know if it's a germ I've got or what it is. I don't know. But, uh, but look at your name and say, hey, you've got, you've got a problem. Now look at them and tell them this. You've got potential. How many have seen the Geico commercial? <laughs> have you seen the Geico commercial? Y'all get TV up here? I don't know. The Geico. <laughs> that was sort of a. Boom, right we head. The Geico commercial? Geico's an insurance company. Geico commercial. The father's talking to the son, and the father looks at the son, and there's some type of uh, discourse there and, and, and talking back. And the father says, Did you know Pinocchio was not? A good motivational speaker. Everybody saw that now. Now you know what I'm talking about. And so they go to Pinocchio. They stand in front of people like, we're. Dead. can I get down here? Is this okay? Do you ever get on the floor? Hey, not really. Not really? Well, and you look at, and you listen to the person on the front row and say, you got potential. <laughs> and what does his nose do? <laughs> he looks at the other guy and says, you got potential. And what does his nose do? It grows. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm not Pinocchio. 
God says you've got potential. The only thing that's going to help the church, in my opinion, I've preached in a lot of churches, I've preached in a lot of churches, big, small, whatever, and I've seen this happen since I've been doing this assignment for the last six years now regarding church planting. Oh, and by the way, in the last five years, we've seen 60 new church starts amen. in southern Missouri. Someone say amen. That's 10 a year. That's good. Almost, well, it's actually four years. 62 new church starts. 22 of them were standalone, parachuting churches. Listen to this, and this is why I want to talk about potential. They parachuted in to a community. 22 didn't have a parent. The parent's most successful, healthiest way to start a church. These men and women parachuted in the community, didn't have a church. Very little influence. They've grown. They're growing. Last year, 2018, we don't have the 2019 numbers. But through 2018, four years, they have given to world missions, world missions, you're in a missions emphasis here, over $940,000. Probably 2019, we're thinking it's going to be another half, half million. We're talking about one, probably, and I'm not exaggerating, I don't exaggerate numbers, I'm very conservative with numbers, $1.4 million, really, to world missions in four and a half years that wasn't even there four and a half years ago. Now think with me a moment. If we start multiplying, we reach our potential. Peter was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. What did he talk about? He didn't talk about (laughs) reproducing, but 3,000 were added to the church. And then it just grew. Daily they added. So daily addition, daily addition, daily multiplying. God does amazing things. But it all starts with potential and motivation. I want to quote you this from Zig Ziglar. He says this, people often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. <laughs> you have to keep yourself motivated, don't you? So the next few moments, I, w- I want to share with you what God has, has put on my heart in just a brief way, and hopefully give you some nuggets because the potential of the church can only be reached as you are pursuing your potential. The potential of a church, of an individual, corporate place rather, can only be reached as you are in pursuit of your potential. Father, help me say what needs to be said, and <clears throat> certainly um, it can't all be fleshed out or talked about today. But Lord, what I do say and what your word tells us, may it fall upon receptive hearts and open hearts, willing to pursue their potential. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you have a digital device or a Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2. I don't have a PowerPoint this morning. Um, I, I um, took some uh, classes a few years ago, and it said we use PowerPoint too much. So I don't use them too much anymore. <laughs> now, I want to talk to you about the power in, in pursuit, the power in pursuit. And I'm looking at Philippians. Philippians, Paul wrote the church at the, to the church at Philippi, a prison epistle. He's writing these Christians, and he was the greatest church planter, greatest multiplier ever that's ever lived. And in Philippians, it's about joy. I mean, these people were just happy and joyful, and, and Paul capitalizes on that. But you get to chapter 2, there's sort of a different turn in his direction of thought. And what he does, he talks to us about some things we don't normally think about, because when he's, the theme is joy. And then, then he sort of zeroes in on something that we very seldom, I think, talk about in the church or really don't see it this way. And this is something that, that I've been mulling over my mind for a while. And uh, hopefully when I sort of give it to you, you'll see what I'm saying, how it, how it relates and how it interfaces and how it collaborates with what we're doing today regarding faith promises. Paul is saying that joy comes in your life, in my life, when we feel fulfilled. Isn't that correct? When you feel fulfilled or significant in what you're doing or who you are, 
then you feel pretty happy about yourself. Come on, uh, y'all have to talk to me or or raise your hand or something here. I mean, yeah, because I can't see some of you. (laughs) But when when you feel like you've done something good, you've done something well, and you feel like you're reaching the potential that God gave to you and you're, you're advancing and your worth and value is being recognized by your employer or employee or whatever, and you're, you're working forward and you're going best, all of a sudden there's a satisfaction that comes into your heart and in your soul and you feel what? Happy. Happy, right? Yeah. Okay, let's turn that, let's flip the coin. When you're not fulfilling what you know you should do, and you're not becoming what you think you ought to be, and things aren't working out like you thought they ought to go, then how do you feel? Tell me. Disappointment? Yeah, isn't that interesting? That's human nature, isn't it? When things are going like we think it ought to go, and we feel like that I'm valued as a person, I feel like that things are happening, and, and, and uh, I'm, I'm actually becoming and moving forward and, and all this kind of stuff. Now, if you're like me a little bit on the other side of life, you know, there, you, you still have to pursue something. You just can't. Joy comes in the morning as you pursue what you know to do today. You're pursuing, you're pursuing. And what happens is, Human nature is when you're pursuing and you feel like you're accomplished and you're accomplishing something and you're valued, all of a sudden there's this peace in your heart, there's this joy in your spirit that, hey, this is good. Okay, we got that settled. I'm so glad we got that settled. So let's do it to the spiritual side. When you know you ought to do something in the spirit realm, maybe, you, maybe you've... Um, Maybe you're not even a person of faith. Uh, maybe you've been a person of faith for years. But you know inside your heart something that you ought to do right, the right thing to do, and you don't do it, and you're, and you're not feeling like the spiritual side of you is in connect with any God or anything. How does that make you feel? What goes on in your brain and in your heart? What goes on in your life, in your relationships? What goes on at work? You're you're working in a spiritual struggle. Paul says in Galatians, it's a flesh and spirit thing. It's a struggle. It's back and forth. And boy, when you're struggling and you're not doing what you know to do in God's eyes, what happens in your eyes when those things clash? Disappointment. You feel like you can't live up to what God wants you to do. Maybe you've tried to, okay, God, take this this habit away from me. Uh, Let's just use that. Lord, take this habit away from me. Lord, Lord, take this desire away from me. Lord, I know this is not pleasing to you. And what happens is, time and time again, you may have prayed a prayer for God to take something away from you. And it hasn't gone yet. So therefore, you stop pursuing your potential in Christ because something has held you back from that pursuit. Are you with me? And I'm going I'm to make a statement. It's a, it's a judgmental statement, but I don't mean to be judgmental. But it's basically a statement of fact. Everybody has that in their heart. There's not a human being that walks a planet that doesn't deal with something in your life you've been dealing with for a while, and all, that thing has stopped you from your pursuit of your potential in Christ. Why? Well, Pastor Harris, I, <laughs> I don't get that. Let me, let me share with you how this, how this flows into this thing. My, my desire is to pursue Christ. And I pursue him in my weaknesses, but my weaknesses aren't always recognized in the way God sees them. They're recognized as failures on my part. God doesn't recognize your weaknesses as failures. He recognizes your weaknesses as potential. That's pretty good stuff. I just pat myself on the back. 
Think about it with me. And I'm getting down to where we live at today, but that's the only way I know how to preach. I don't know how to preach other, other things. So we're going to look at just briefly, and take some notes, if you will. Take some notes about the power of pursuit. The power of pursuit, because Paul addresses this very topic in Philippians, this topic of joy. And one of the first things, and you go chapter 2, and, and, and verses actually 12 all the way down through 15 and 16. I'm not going to read all the scriptures to you, but I want to share with you some interesting pursuit goals for you to consider. That's what Paul's listing in Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 12. The first pursuit goal he says, and he's talking to us about this struggle, this joy in our heart. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out. In other words, he's not talking about you achieving faith. It's not, he's not talking about you getting rid of your weakness, getting rid of your problem, getting rid of your habit. He's not talking about that. He's talking about working out what? Not something so you can achieve more favor from the Lord, so it'll make you happier or joyful. Not working out something that you, you can um, hang your hat on. So, oh, yeah, God, God's done this for me. No, he's not talking about achieving anything. He's talking about living what you already have. He's talking about living it out. What God's already given you inside of you. You see, we get hung up on the weakness. We get hung up on the, on, the, on the thing that stops from pursuit of our potential. And so, therefore, we have to achieve something. Well, I've got to go to church today and pay my tithes. Or God's not going to do this for me. Or I'm wrestling with this thing. Or this, or this, or this. I'm going to go to the altar. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, no, no. The way you handle weakness is living your faith. Living your faith. Now, what is that? What does that entail? He talks about working it out, living out all that it means to be saved. Let me, let me just, let me give you a little bit of thought process here. How many of you had to do something dramatic in your life to be saved? No, none of you did. God did it. You had to do nothing. I, I was a sinner. I don't care where you come from. I don't care if you spent seven years in a penitentiary. I don't care your background. I don't care what life you lived. You could not clean it up, clean it up, clean it up, clean it up, clean it up. Get all that stuff out of there, all that stuff out of there, all that sin out of there, everything. Then you come to Jesus, here I am, save my soul. No. What happened? You knew in your heart something was wrong. You were convinced by the Holy Spirit something wasn't right. And you understood somewhere in the spirit side of your life that God is an answer for you. And you came with all your junk, with all your messes, with all your weaknesses. And you said, Jesus, here I am. Forgive me. And what did he do? He forgave you. Praise the name of the Lord. You don't have to achieve to receive nothing. He just gave it to you. Can, you. can you just be humbled by that a moment? <laughs> he died on the cross where you were still in your sins. Where you were still in your weaknesses. Where you were still captivated and imprisoned by whatever's going on in your brain or your mind or your relationship. So Paul is addressing that. Work it out. What God's already worked in living your faith. And then he doesn't stop there, but he gives us some ideas of what this means. First one is obedience. Work it out with fear and trembling. First one's obedience. Obedience is what? It's just what God wants you to do. You keep doing the right thing, even though you may not feel right about it. You keep doing what you ought to do, because you know that's what you ought to do. By faith. By faith. 
If I do what God wants, I'm going to begin to live up to the potential that I couldn't imagine without Him. Pursuit of potential begins with me doing what I know to do, regardless of if I'm happy or sad. Regardless if it blesses me or doesn't bless me, or if it, if it, if it helps me or doesn't help me, I'm still going to obey simply what I know I should do for God, simply because He told me to do it. I'm willing to do it. Work it out. Pursue your potential. I really believe the more we don't obey God, the more we disobey Him. And what I mean by that is the more I'm not willing to do what I know I should do, what happens is I begin to do things I know I shouldn't do, and then eventually my conscience becomes, the Bible says, seared. Basically, it's like melting wax on your palm of your hand, and, 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 you, and you melt your, your fingers together by the wax. Basically, you, you don't even give in to the temptation anymore. So therefore, you put this stuff in your back of your mind and your heart that you're not willing to obey God with, and what happens is that becomes a mess and a weakness you stop pursuing your potential because you stop obeying and Satan has wrapped you around his little finger. You start obeying. One step, one day at a time. You do what's right. You do what's right. What God wants you to do. The other thing he says in intensity, he says work it out with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. What's that mean? Well, fear and trembling is not that I fear... (laughs) I fear what God is going to do to me. That's not what he's talking about. That I'm just scared to death what God may think of me. Or what I'm scared to death. And, and by the way, your joy is going to be robbed if you walk around in fear all the time. Uh, this corona thing, yeah, we ought to be wise and, 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 and steward it well with our own well-being. But at the same time, if you walk around in fear, it actually disables you. It becomes, becomes a crutch it becomes something that stops you from pursuing your life, your potential, whether it's a step of faith to, to multiply another church or you in a, in a job situation. You cannot fear. You've got to move against the fear. And he's not talking about fear and tremble God for what he may do to you because you've not done what you ought to do for him. It's not that at all. Paul, this, this word is actually talking about, it's about an intense way that a mom would love her baby. It's, it's, it's about an intense way of saying there's nothing more important than this. This is the most important thing. I'm intense about it. In other words, Paul's saying, work out with obedience and then intensity. This is the most important thing I can do. Like a mother has for her child in protection and well-being. Makes sense to you? Yeah, I think about the, the other thing he talks about is energy. We've got to hurry. Energy. He says this in verse 13. God is working in you. Look at this. In you. <laughs> and this is what's so wonderful about God. Giving you the desire to obey him. Obedience is not a hard task master. Obedience isn't difficult to do. Why? Because within our strength and our power, we have a hard time always doing the right thing. But when we know God and God's in our life and we're pursuing our potential in Him, God says He gives you the desire to obey. And then He says in verse 3, Verse 13, and the power to do it. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know if I can do this. You don't have to do it on your own. God's already put a desire in you as a Christian to know what to do is right. If you do what is right, God gives you the power to do it. So therefore, quit pointing the finger at yourself and saying, I can't do this thing anymore. I just, I, I just can't get over this thing anymore. You quit trying to do it. Let God do it through you. That's what his word says he'll do. Isn't that great? There's a, there's a couple more things here real quick. I got some time. If I'm going to pursue my pretension, it's got to be worked out. Obedience, intensity, power in that pursuit. 
And then he, then he says something else in verse 14. Don't get worked up. He says this, in everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing. Look at your neighbor and say, I heard you complain today. <laughs> Just saying. And you think about that, so well, I didn't complain. Well, think about your morning. When, did you got, when you got up, when you got out of bed, you went to the bathroom, whatever you went to the bathroom, you got dressed, whatever. Did you complain about anything at all? Probably. Sort of in our nature to complain and argue, isn't it? Why would Paul say that in pursuit of potential? He's talking about relationships here. He's talking about the way you view other people. Proverbs 15 says, gentle words cause life and health. Ephesians 4.2 says, be humble and gentle. Be patient with, with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Philippians 2.15, listen, listen to the message version of this. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society provide people with a glimpse of good living and of, live, of the living God carrying the life-giving message into the night. That's what I call power of my potential. That's what I call pursuit. What is he meaning? What is he talking about? Our joy and our sadness rest upon our relationships with each other. In the church setting, I mentioned working out. We're working it out together. Everybody's at different levels of faith. There's strong, there's weak, there's in between. But all of us are working this thing together. This obedience, this intensity, and this power. We're working out to be what God wants us to be. There's some who, who maybe not where you are. You've been in the church for years. And maybe you just came into this faith walk and you're trying to figure this out. Paul has an answer for you. Quit complaining, quit arguing. Think about this. Think about it. Arguing is when you say, this is what I feel and this is what I want. And then we get to the point of saying, it's my way. Don't talk to me about your way. What happens is in a church setting, and this is what stops the potential, we begin to argue about little things. We begin to argue about stuff. We begin to think about things. And once you start growing, you go past a certain number, and new people start coming in, people say, well, that's not my church anymore. Really? Never was your church. It's always been his church. May look different, may sound different, may be different. That's okay. We're, we're working out together because what happens in relationships, we begin to complain to someone else about someone else. We begin to argue. And guess what body of believers was kept out of the promised land because they argued and complained? That's why Paul addresses this. This is why it's in the scripture. The church, us, we, we have legitimate complaints. Yes, there's legitimate ways of solving personality conflicts and doing what we do. But let me share with you some nuggets to think about in the church context and in moving forward as a church. Look at everybody. Number one, look at everybody as if they have more potential than you have. Number one, look at everybody that has more potential than you have. Because when we start to talk about them or we argue with them or complain about them, we're saying something that unseen and heard of, we're sort of capping their pursuit of their potential. What kind of message were you expecting today? I don't know. You see, my, my goal is for you, as Pastor Chris leads you, to pursue your potential of reaching people for Jesus. And the more you empower, number two, the more you empower another person, the more they're going to pursue their potential. Just like I said in the beginning, when you begin to feel good, you're being valued, you're happy, someone loves me, someone cares about me, they increase your worth, all of a sudden, you begin to sense a significance and a purpose in your life that opens the door to you pursuing your potential. I think one of your vision statements is empower. How do you empower somebody? Not by giving a bunch of information. You empower somebody, and we're going to do something here. You're not going to like this. 
Stand up there. I'm not going to kiss you. Thank you. You empower somebody by simply this way. Got coronavirus, I love you. <laughs> Are you the one that bought at Walmart? I saw two big jugs at his house last night. I figured he might went to Walmart or somewhere. You get what I'm saying? Everybody around you is infected. Everybody in the room's got an infectious problem. It can be infectious with love and concern and help and seeing their potential, or it can be infectious with, ah, I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you're fit for the kingdom. <laughs> you see, God puts our weaknesses together so that together we become strong. It's, diff, it's, a, it's, it's opposite from what you think. Two weaknesses doesn't always make it weaker. Two weaknesses, in God's eyes, can become stronger when they pursue their potential that Christ has put in their hearts. Last, and, and, and I'll quit on this one. Everybody said, praise the Lord. I've got to get to the hand sanitizer here. You know, if I'm pursuing my potential, you've got to work it out. I mean, we, gotta, we, gotta, we, we don't get worked up. And then Paul talks about something else here real quickly in verse 16. Hold tightly to the word of life so that when Christ returns, I'll be proud that I did not lose the race and that my work was not useless. I'm going to go back to my very first thoughts. When I am the most satisfied and productive and I guess you could say happier with myself, is when I feel my life is useful. And the way that I know my life is useful isn't just primarily, it's just by me and the, the Lord. The Lord speaking to my heart, yeah, this is good for you. But God uses relationships as affirmation to let you know that your life is useful. That's why he brings us together. Because when you're on a journey and you're on a path and you're reaching forward, no matter what you do, if you're not being utilized to your fullest potential, your work isn't going to be satisfied. Your relationships aren't going to be satisfied. Neither is your life. And if your life isn't, isn't neither are your relationships. And you see, the bottom line is, God points a finger at you and says, I see your potential. Individually. He looks at the church across the globe today. Pastor Chris, come on up. At the church today, the church, global church today, not just AG. He looks at the church today in the squalor and the, and the, and the stuff that's going on. And he looks at his church and he says, you have potential. Pursue it. And see what I'll do. In the church, in the community, and in your family, and in your home. Amen. 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 I really hope that you take this to heart today. There's some of you sitting in the room that you have discarded yourself. You have put a blockade and you think there's nothing I can add to the kingdom of God. I've got too many faults, too many failures, too many mistakes. I've done too many wrong things. I have too many bad thoughts. I say too many wrong things, whatever. But I want you to know that God sees your potential today. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Lord, I pray that you will speak across this house. Lord, that you'll speak into every individual, every young adult, every mom, dad, every grandma, every grandpa, every single individual. And Lord, that in this moment, Lord, you'll help us to see past the shortcomings and, and see the potential that you have set inside of us. 
And Lord, that we know that as we give ourselves to you, you're able to do so much more with what's happening and on the inside that we could ever do by ourselves. Amen. Lord, I pray that you will raise that level of expectancy, raise that level of potential in each and every one of us today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I need to ask a question. Then we're going to move on to our faith promises. You're here and you say, Pastor, I, I don't have Jesus in my life. I haven't asked him to come in and be my Lord and Savior. I haven't surrendered myself to him. If that's you, you're here today and you want to take the moment right here and right now to begin this brand new journey, would you raise your hand? Would you let me pray with you today? Any across the house? All right, with that, I, I would believe that every person has made that commitment to Christ. So if you would, if you'll look this direction. I want everyone to grab the card that's in your seats. We've been talking about these for three weeks, and I hope and I trust that over that three-week span, you've taken the time to say, Lord, what do you want me to do personally? God, what do you want us to do as a couple? What do you want us to do as a family? This is a faith promise. We do this annually in the month of March, typically. We take the time to make and recommit our faith promise. What is a faith promise? A faith promise for us, for missions, is I'm willing, as God supplies, to give to missions so that our missionaries locally, throughout the United States and around the world can continue to do what God has called them to do to reach the lost for the kingdom of God. As a church, we currently support 57 missionaries or missions projects. That number has rapidly grown over the last seven and a half years. At that point, we had four. Now we're at 57. I am believing that this year that God's going to allow us, with your help and all of our faithfulness, to bring on six or seven brand new missionaries. I believe that it's possible. Amen? There's not a week that goes by, and the office can testify to this. There's not a week that goes by that we don't get a call or I don't get an email or a text message from a missionary saying, I need your help. I am this close to being able to get on the field. I am almost at my, my budget. I'm almost ready. I can almost get there. We just need a little bit more to get over the top so we can get to fill in the blank. I want to be a part. Encounter Church wants to be a part of reaching the world for the kingdom of God. So as you hold this card in your hand, I want to pray. I want to pray that God will speak into our hearts, and then I'm going to have the ushers come by. We're going to collect these this morning. Now, what does that do? Does that mean that, that I'm going to send out a hit squad if, if in April you don't give that amount? No. Here's the way this works. We take these cards, we tally it together, and we figure out what are we able to do for missions for this year. What does that look like? We base the missionaries that we support off of what comes in these cards. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I filled one out last year. Do I need to fill out again? Yes. We don't go back to last year's card and go, well, Sally didn't fill one out this year, but she did last year, so we're going to count that. No. We look at this year's cards. I have filled one out. This is Angie and I's card right here. It's already filled out. In fact, we raised, almost doubled what we did last year. Let me be honest with you. Angie goes, I don't know how we're going to do that. I said, I don't know, but that's what God told me to do. Would you trust God this year? We want to reach this world. I, I honestly believe that our time in this world is short. We are now in the last days. And I don't know about you, but I want to take as many people to heaven with me as absolutely possible. That's why we support missions. That's why in fall of 2021, we're going to launch a campus. We're going to be a part of Reach Missouri Network. We're going to launch our own church in Lincoln, Missouri. We're going to branch out. We're going to grab a hold of that potential that God's put in us. 
Do we have the funding for it? No. Do we have the personnel? Not necessarily. But we have God. That's all we need. That's all we need. God and a little bit of faith. I remember when I was a teenager, we had a, a guy at the church that I grew up in that sang a song that said, Faith, faith, faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Faith, faith, faith. That's what we're doing. We're stepping out on faith. I challenge you this morning. Step out on faith. God, what would you have me to do? Would you hold that card in your hand? We're going to pray. Then I'm going to give you about 45 seconds, and we're going to collect it. Lord, these are faith promises. Lord, that means that we're going to step out on faith right now. Lord, what are you telling us to do? Lord, whatever it is, it may not make a bit of sense in our minds, but we're going to trust you right now, God. We're going to believe in you. We're going to rely upon you. We're going to depend upon you. And Lord, we're going to watch as you step in and you make a way where it seems impossible. So Lord, right now, would you give us direction? Or would you help us, God, as we boldly take a step of faith with you? In Jesus' name, amen. And would you take just a moment fill that card out. I'm going to give you 45 seconds. Those of you that are watching online, I know some of you are wanting to give and be a part of our faith promise. Um, if you go to our church website or Facebook, there is a jot form. There's a link that you can fill out and that will come directly to us. It will work just like these cards. So fill that out for us as well. Then if you could take this card, perfor it's perforated, rip it apart. This is yours. This little part is your reminder. Put that in your Bible. Put that in your pocket. Put that in your wallet. Wherever you need as a reminder. Because some of you may forget by the time you get home what your faith promise was. Anybody ever have problems remembering things? Yeah, like seven of us in the room. I'm one of those. I've got that part-timer stuff going on. If you could take that. That's yours. This other half. Do not fold it. Just turn it upside down. Uh, we'll just do this. Ushers, if you will come past the buckets, we're going to collect these very quickly, and then we are going to dismiss this one. If you have those cards, kind of wave at your, your ushers there. They will collect those from you. Hey, Bob, can you grab mine? Bob, grab mine here. Thank you, my friend. If you don't have that yet this morning, we will collect those next week as well. I'd like to kind of try to get these all tallied ASAP because we will head to district council, Lord willing, um, in April. And they'll have a lot of missionaries. I think they're presenting 13 brand new missionaries. Isn't that awesome? 13 brand new fully appointed missionaries are be presented this year in district council. I would love to be able to bring some of those on and say that we're going to support them. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for partnering with us as we partner with God to reach the world for missions. Uh, Jerry and Lisa, could you guys both come? Angie, if you'll come. We're going to wrap this thing up. Come on up here. How many of you appreciate Jerry and Lisa this morning? Amen. So do you understand Angie and I a little bit better now? It, it's their fault. Is that good or bad? Yes. Oh. <laughs> he said, is that good or bad? I said, yes. I appreciate it. <laughs> so how are you all on your budget? Um, we're, we're doing well. God has provided through churches like, like Encounter Church and individuals. Um, our goal is, I can share this with you, uh, 60 churches the next decade, what God's put our hearts to 60 churches. Uh, and that's a very realistic goal. And we're asking uh, churches or individuals to partner with us at $10,000 per church as we move forward. Uh, and we also believe God's just going to provide that. And yeah, our goal is to get it done. So, yeah. And we partner with them on a monthly basis. In right. fact, a few years ago when you first started launching all this, we had yeah. the Reach 
was a reach initiative. What's, what was the term we called Project it? Project Reach. Project yeah, Reach. Yeah, this church really was a blessing for that. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Let me be honest with you. At that point, we had been raising um, funds and putting funds aside for church planting. Right. And we had raised about 5000 had a budget sitting to 5000 God laid upon our heart to give all that 5000 directly to this project of church planting across right. our district. So we did that about, what, three years ago? Uh, three years ago. And basically, we've had about, because of those funds, invest ten to twenty thousand dollars per church those funds have seen about 30 to 35 new churches start because of that giving and so we're grateful yeah. for that and, isn't that awesome and the stories they launch with 150 or 200 plus and every week they have stories of people coming to christ that's literally awesome. literally people coming to christ and so that's where your dollars have been amen that's what they're doing amen well how can we pray for you guys uh pray that lisa will stay with me another 50 years <laughs> No, I've lost that enough for you. What are you going to say? For that we would have the energy and right. uh, the courage to keep on doing what God wants us to do. And that the people that we, the planters and their families, right. that we encourage and support, that they would be encouraged and supported, and that we would take a burden off of them so they can do what God wants them to do. They, these, these, Men and women are pioneers assaulting enemy territory. We do all the back office. We take care of the finances, the legal, everything we can uh, alleviate from them that burden of administration so they can go reach people and develop a core group so they can launch. That's what we do. And they're out there with no insurance, many of them. Yeah. They're part-time, some by vocational, but they're reaching people for Christ. Okay. Yep. Well, let's, let's pray. If you would, extend your hand out towards Jerry and Lisa. Let's pray for them this morning. Lord, right now, I pray that you will go before you, Jerry and Lisa, Reach Missouri Network, these church planters. Lord, that you will go before them, God, that you will pave the way, that you will make a way where it seems impossible, God, that you will provide for these church planters, God, some of them going in on their own, uh, what we call parachuting in without the support of a church. And Lord, and attempting, Lord, to impact this community, others partnering with churches as church plants or as campus churches. But Lord, I pray that you will cause just um, rapid growth in these churches, not because it's about the numbers, but the people, the numbers represent souls that were once lost that have now come to know you. So Lord, I pray that the church will begin to make the positive impact for your kingdom that we've been called to make. Lord, we read in the scripture, Lord, that time and time again as the disciples were going out Lord, they were turning their cities upside down for you lord let that happen with these church planners lord let that happen lord with these campus churches let that happen in and through reach missouri network lord provide for them lead them and guide them we give you praise Lord. we give you glory we give you honor in jesus name we pray amen amen one, one quick thing that you need to hear, I've, I've had so much information. We just worked with a church in um, Caledonia, Missouri, Dale Stringer. The town has 300 population. His church runs 150. He just multiplied into Viburnum, Missouri, 20 miles away, a town of 600 people, and he launched it with 65 people. That's, that is impact and influence. So you don't have to be large or small. You just have to be willing to multiply and move forward. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Amen. Come on. Can you give one more round of applause to Jerry and Lisa Harris? Thank you.